Hi, I'm Big Nkrumah. And I'm Audio Nerd 64. And, and we, we are your gamer friends! Doesn't feel good, does it? Does it? It feels like a betrayal. And not of me, but of our audience. Um, I said I was going to do this. So if anything, if I didn't interrupt you like you interrupt me every other week, I would be lying. To them. To the audience. When people look back on these episodes and say, this is the one where he didn't get to sing a song, that's going to be on you. I I have no regrets. I'm a man of my word. Of my word. Logging on, we are following up on E3, talking about some controversies, talking about some gameplay that was missing from what the public saw. Then we're covering a few releases. My Friend Pedro, Super Mario Maker 2, Wizards Unite. Some quick updates in the crunch stratosphere. Summer Games Done Quick raises $3 million. And Bernie Sanders has a Twitch channel? Uh... What games does he play? None? In these past two weeks in there, um, we're getting into Jessica Jones season three. Didn't watch it. The deck of Pikachu. Also didn't watch it. I'm very upset about that. Uh, but apparently we're seeing Endgame again because it's coming back again. Spider-Man also swinging our way. And friend of the show, Lil Poolish, has written something. You should check it out. Finally, in the bottom half of the show, we have a fantastic interview for you with the managing editor of Feminist Frequency, Carolyn Pettit. Woo! She was kind enough to lend us her mind to discuss in depth Cyberpunk 2077 and their transphobia bullshit, as well as Watchdogs Legion and the sale of the revolution. Yes. We also talk about other things. We do. It's a wonderful conversation. You should uh, take notes, really. Like, you could go to class. Yes. It's so get, good. Get schooled here at Gamer Friends, Education Friends. But that does mean no home screen this week. Don't worry, we have plenty to update you on on our next episode, which will be in your ears in two weeks now that E3 is over and we're back to our normal schedule. Yes, we are. Well, let's get into it. Let's log on. E3 mess first cyberpunk probably the messiest of all yeah uh, that <laughs> god bless them we're going to talk more about what happened uh during the interview in depth in depth but i know there was one thing you wanted to talk about right now yeah um one thing we brushed on but didn't really discuss in depth was the racist accusation against the cyberpunk demo. Um, So behind closed doors, again, there was another demo. I'm assuming at some point they will release it to the public, so we'll get to see this for ourselves. But apparently all of the enemies are people of color, and one of the groups of enemies is called the animals. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so I think because of the transphobic stuff, there was a willingness to label as many things as possible in the game as problematic. And 
It turns out that the leader of this gang called Animals is actually a fat white woman, and it's possible that there's actually a ton of different types of people in this gang called Animals, and they're part of the original board game. So I think context is important. Uh, But Mm -hmm. again, to point to the interview, we get into what responsibilities the game studios have in these kinds of situations to really prepare the way for this kind of presentation of marginalized people. And so uh, I would definitely encourage you again to stick around and we'll talk about this much more in depth. But I would definitely say that the biggest E3 controversy was around CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk. Which is like hilarious because I feel like all the they got so much praise last year and now it's like... Hmm. I think they both won and lost E3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think most people are really fucking excited and only care about Keanu Reeves. I mean, he was breathtaking. So. <laughs> um, next up, there was some Pokemon controversy in the wake of E3. I don't know what's going on. Uh, basically, in every single Pokemon game you're playing in a region, the first Pokemon game... You know, you're in one region and that's it. But the second game, there's another region that you're in. And you had what was called a national dex given to you at the end of the day where you could collect the Pokemon, not just from the new region, Johto, but the original region, Kanto. So So you you could have all of the Pokemon in one game. You're always like adding. Yeah. So your national dex, you can always complete it to capture I don't know, however many fucking hundred Pokemon there are now. So they announced, um, I guess in their post-E3 stuff, that in Pokemon Sword and Shield, you will not be able to have all of your Pokemon. There's only a regional Dex, uh, Pokedex, not a national Pokedex. Yes, and people were very, very mad about it on Twitter. Yeah, because it's bullshit. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm mad about it. I never once, ever, even in the original game, caught them all. Never. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. The whole point is to catch them all. And you've never done that? I mean, is it? Is the whole point to catch them all? I always got all the legendaries in every new one. But catching them all? That was... Even for me as a child, that was like a little too much to ask. Are you a real gamer? Wow. So (laughs) anyway, I'm only annoyed because aspirationally, I go into every game wanting to catch them all. I even wrote down a plan for doing it when Black and White came out. Mm -hmm. So... It it's it's like a long term goal of mine, and I'm I am I'm pissed off that I will never be able to do it now. Now it's not even an option. Wait, but didn't they say like it'll happen in the future? Just now? no. What they said oh. was that the Pokemon that are not in this game are not never going to be in future Pokemon games. They're just not in this one. Oh, so for this one, you will not be able to catch. Yeah, they know they doubled down. It'll they were be like, like it's, it's like not happening. With a little asterisk, like you can catch them all. In this region. I don't think that Gotta Catch Them All is even their catchphrase anymore. Uh, And if it is, they should change it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, people are not happy. I'm still going to play Pokemon. I'm like, obviously going to buy it. But people also have some issues with some of the gameplay they've seen. If they're doing this open world, it should at least look as good as Breath of the Wild in a lot of people's minds. Mm Mm-hmm. 
if the Switch can handle Breath of the Wild, it should be able to handle a little bit more than what they're serving to us. Oh, yeah, George was saying that. Yeah, so uh, there are some other complaints that people have, and I I don't know. I'm I'm actually a little worried for a Pokemon game, which I never have been before. Yeah, I cannot believe that the Pokemon community is in a tizzy. Like, I've never... When in your life has the Pokemon community ever been up in arms like this? Um, Much like The Sims, constantly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like when, y'all are never happy. Oh my god! When certain Pokemon are too OP for competition, and it takes Nintendo a long time to figure that out, it is an issue. Mm. So anyway, is there any game community that's happy? No, <laughs> there's not. That's fair. Uh, up next, Modern Warfare uh, oh. is apparently going to actually bring the war to your living room with all of the PTSD along with it. I guess. <laughs> I, this shit is fucked up. I guess what was part of their marketing was like, this is going to be like, you know, like you're really going to feel like you're there. We're really, like we're working with people to like make sure this is the most war-like experience ever in the world, in gaming ever. It just seems like a lot. And like actual like soldiers were like, yeah, don't do that. Because like the ones that I saw were basically like, even if you think you can replicate what the fuck we went through, you can't. And even trying would be, like, a grave mistake. And they're not wrong. Like, I don't... <laughs> like, I don't... It's not funny. It's just, like, fucked up. I I honestly don't even know what to say. It's, it is really fucked up to me. And not just the idea of putting people into war scenarios frivolously. Like putting aside the ethics and morals of the war in particular that they're kind of replicating. Yeah. Um, what they're doing in framing Muslim people or Arab people as all potential marks is, is really bothersome to me. I get in a really twisted, fucked up imperialist way why that might make sense, especially if they're getting advised on how to make things as realistic as possible. But do you need to show that, you know, the the person at the front desk is going to reach for a gun and, and, like, shoot you until you have to kill them first just to make sure? Like, do we need to go there? That's what's in it? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't look into this. I was like, I'm not going to even bother. I don't think that's the exact example, but the the gist of it was that these are civilians who may or may not be actually working for the quote unquote enemy. It's like American Sniper, the video game, and like it's too much. I'm glad that I am not invested in the franchise and that I don't play Call of Duty because if I was, then I might feel like I have to play this, and I really wouldn't want to play this. It sounds terrible. But if you want to play it. You should let us know how it is because I'm going to have to rely on you. Yeah, Sorry. We won't know. We won't know. Another thing that we won't know fully is the Google Stadia experience because <gasps> I'm not purchasing it, especially now because, uh, well. At first you were kind of like, oh, I might as well. And as we've progressed, you've, as I kind of predicted, been like, oh, maybe not. Now that we know what xCloud is and that it works and that it's amazing, why on earth would I switch to Stadia? Why would I do that? And now we know for sure the news just broke. 
all the games are going to be exactly the same price. <laughs> they thought you was going to take away all the money? These publishers were like, it's full price, even for you, Google. Y'all ain't special. Now, here's the thing. The Google execs were like, why wouldn't it be? And I never assumed that it would be less money. I'm realizing now that a lot of the gaming press, part of their interest in it was, oh, if you're streaming, you don't have to fully own it. Therefore, you probably won't have to pay as much. I never never. thought (laughs) that it meant that you were going to pay less than $60. And I always have thought of the access to the 4K and the higher frame rates as the equivalent of paying Xbox Live subscription. Yeah. Well, I guess for me, like when everyone was describing it as the Netflix of games, I was like, oh, you're going to pay whatever per month you get to play whatever's in their library, which, you know, we learned was not the case at the last thing. Um, But yeah, full price. That's hilarious to me. It's because it's not... What is it, 15 a month? I think so. I think Microsoft's going to beat them to it. I think Microsoft is going to offer Xbox Game Pass and xCloud and Xbox Live as some kind of bundle, like the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, Mm -hmm. you know, just an evolution of that. And there you go. Without needing to buy an Xbox, you can just have the Xbox Game Pass library. Yeah, because I'm also thinking too, like, yeah, you can play Stadia from your Chrome browser, but if you want 4K surround sound, you're going to have to buy that dongle and stick it in a 4K TV. So, like, I, what money are people... Is is anyone actually saving money? Is anyone saving no. money? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> actually a limited... It would be a limited case usage for me. Like, I'm trying... I'm like, all right, so it's not cheaper. So then... What, who, again, who is it appealing to? Nobody knows. I, I saw know. someone saying that the real console war is not actually going to be Sony, Microsoft. It's going to be who perfects this streaming stuff first. And I think that Google's entire bet is that they can do it better than xCloud and that the selling factor is going to be that it just works and works better on Stadia than it does on Xbox. But I guess there's but no like, guarantee of that. Hey, there's no guarantee. And like the things that like the potential benefits aren't that great for me. Like I preload games. They're ready to go when I get home. You know, it's like that's or, really it. Like there's on like some like, day you can play immediately. That's it. Yeah. There's like some like the streaming stuff. You can watch four niggas play together on one screen. I, I can do that in a, in a knockoff Twitch browser. Yeah. I mean, may I don't know. I just don't. I feel like. Gamers are stubborn as fuck. <laughs> I don't know who it's for. I, I don't know. I really don't know who it's for. I, I'm not jumping ship. I'm not jumping ship. Because like I said, it's gonna. I would have to jump ship and then ask all of my gamer friends to jump ship too. <laughs> right. Who? Until there's cross-play, why would anyone move to Sadia? Right. Unless you have a bunch of friends who are willing to do it too. And why are they willing to do it? I don't know. Because oh. they have to bail. Because they have to buy all their games over again. If they want to play anything they play now... Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm done talking about it. Although I think it is funny. Someone, I think there is exactly one games journalist that is excited about Stadia. And he was like, oh, I get to like play games at my desk now. And I'm like, why? Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> Could you imagine? You just like pop out your controller at your desk. You're playing games on Chrome. Yeah, oh. I, I can't imagine it. It's called xCloud and it comes out in October. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is going to be an issue. Oh, my God. I just think that what we said before is going to come true. Google is going to be like, oh, we're not overwhelmingly successful immediately by Stadia. <laughs> and then what happens to all those people who bought those games? What happens to all those Wasabi controllers? <sighs> all right. So, yeah, Google Stadia. We're done shitting on it for today. <laughs> uh, moving on. There were some gameplay trailers and videos and things or reports about the gameplay, maybe I should say. Yeah, because we're not Um, special. We can't see anything. Why on earth would you not put it forward for the public? Look, uh, Square Enix needed to do that shit. For real, for real. Because everyone was like, this looks like a bootay. Right. (laughs) By all accounts, Marvel's Avengers actually looks really good. What was shown in behind-the-scenes gameplay demos, why it wasn't part of the commercial that they put in front of every fucking YouTube video I've watched for a a fucking month, I don't know. Or at least show it... Like, I just... I feel like if you were, if you did not show any gameplay at E3, you need to show some gameplay, at least by now. I, like, I can't stay on a hype train if I don't know what the fuck the game's going to look like. What I've the heard fuck? they're saving some of the footage for San Diego Comic-Con, but Ugh. but why? Those, I mean, the gamers will be there. Release another one. Release two. Release two. Release two. Drop release, the link. Release one character now and one character later. I don't know. Well... Whatever. I mean, I'm still excited about that game, but like, you know, I'll be more excited when I see what it looks like and not, you know, right. literally it's five hard to be excited of, for yeah. what we saw. Yeah, no, that the E3 presentation was not great. But I mean, <laughs> last year, I know we're talking a lot of shit about Cyberpunk and CD Project Red in this episode, but last year they were like, holy shit, the behind the scenes gameplay of Cyberpunk was incredible. And guess what? It was incredible. <laughs> I it was. I think I like shed a tear when I watched it. Last it year. was incredible. So if people are saying very positive things about Marvel's Avengers, then I'm willing to believe. But that. I don't know these people. I mean, it's the same people that said that Cyberpunk <laughs> stuff was good. So the, the gaming press. Oh, a joke. Jordan. Sorry, sorry. Oh. Outer Worlds getting a similar treatment. Some people saying. Uh, like best of show type gameplay, um, which we didn't fucking see. <laughs> Why? We're not famous enough. What that must be hella frustrating though, because like I know like you listen to like gaming podcasts on the regular. I don't, but like I couldn't imagine like listening to people talk about these gameplay trailers that you or gameplay that you couldn't see or play it must be hella frustrating. Because <laughs> at least like normally when we talk about games, you could purchase it or like watch someone play it on Twitch but this they don't <laughs> do any of that they're not like oh this thing happened it's very general stuff it's like that uh video mm, the flavor the the flavor like it's that's the kind of recap that i get when people are talking about these things that's not satisfying it's not satisfying but it doesn't make me like jealous and it, Could it's you I'm not like straining to understand that's like Hey, how's that book that you're reading? Ugh, the words. <laughs> the sentences. Oh. I hate it. Um I don't I don't understand how we continue on. But so. yeah, I was not interested in Outer Worlds after this E3 presentation. And now mm-hmm. having heard all of this stuff, I was like, oh, maybe I can get into this. All right. 
Gears 5. I'm not going to play it. You're going to play it. Uh, any news on that front? Well, I actually watched the stuff. Like, they had gameplay of the new mode, the one they showed the cinematic trailer for. Unprecedented. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they did, like, a whole stream dedicated to that, and uh, I did also see some of the f- gameplay footage. I mean, listen, it's, it's a Gears game. There's only so much innovation that you can get away with. The formula is is what it is, and it's a mm-hmm. fucking great formula. Like, it's it's really good. If anything, the reason why I had such a problem with 4 was that I don't like fighting the new enemies. That's that's really it. Okay. Um, word. I'm sorry. Yeah, but 5 looks good, and it's right. going to be on Game Pass, so I don't have to pay anything. That's right. Definitely you're, well, you're, you're already paying for it. You have to get out of the, well, it's not extra. Well, No, you're, you're already paying, you're paying for, for it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank if you, were, you. If you were playing it on Stadia, you'd be paying for it with money and data. True. I want to. One day, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop talking. Sh- stop talking shit about them and be a professional. Finally, <laughs> we've mentioned this already, but Cyberpunk. You know, they also had another um, gameplay trailer. Again, there was some controversial stuff in it, but by all accounts, showcasing a different style um, of gameplay within the game. The first one was kind of a shoot 'em up. This is more, I think, representative of what you'll actually be doing in terms of role playing in the world. Aww. So I'm looking forward to it finally being published. I just want to shoot things. Well, there's there's that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It does worry me that the uh, biggest thing that come out of the gameplay trailers was the ad. Like, at no point did anyone was like, let's just put the ad aside for a moment. Like, that that just wasn't happening. Right. So, take that as you will. Um, I guess. There were a few others as well, but I think those were the ones that I, in particular, was puzzled by <laughs> in terms of their exclusion of gameplay. Fair. So, um, wanted to make sure that I corrected the record. On those things. <laughs> Look at you. All right, so let's get through the rest of logging on. We're going to get through these games. My friend Pedro finally came out. I should have played it. Should have. We couldn't get an SD, a micro SD. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Switch needed a micro SD and not just an SD. Because yeah, the, the game cartridges are kind of right. chunky. I was like, oh, you just put an SD. I have plenty of SD cards. That's literally what I tried to do. And, and I was getting frustrated that it wasn't fitting. Oh, and I thought I was just an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out I was a bigger idiot. It doesn't fit at all. Oh, that's... We haven't needed uh, space yet. We use cartridges for everything. Yeah. So anyway, um, I haven't gotten to play it yet, but I will definitely before the next episode. uh, Very excited about that. It looks really cute. The gameplay, the launch gameplay trailer was really, was adorable. Um, Super Mario Maker 2 came out as well. Everyone is very jazzed about it. Yeah, I, good for them. These kinds of games did you ever play Wait. like the Forge in Halo? Uh, barely. My brother would spend days locked in his room playing the Forge, and my sense is that Mario Maker is just the Forge in Halo, but Mario. Okay, yeah, but I'm kind of surprised that you're not interested in it because you play City Skylines like. A That's lot. a totally different itch. Sure, but similar. You're like 
you know, putting the pieces together, building. I'm not designing scenarios in City Skylines. I'm designing a city. What scenarios occurring in them? Yeah, when I think of scenarios, I think of playing <laughs> Roller Coaster Tycoon and, like, creating half-broken roller coasters and then setting scenario requirements and then going in and trying to fix the park. I just I, I just thought maybe you would be interested, but apparently Sorry. Not. Sorry. Well, uh, the people who are interested in it are loving it. Apparently, it's getting a lot of love. Yeah, High yeah. ratings, high ratings, high rankings. I wouldn't expect anything else. You know, it's, it is Nintendo, so... They don't, they don't miss a lot, but when they do miss, what's a Nintendo game that missed? Damn, I can't even think of one. Wow, can't even make that joke land. Good for them. Wizards Unite also came out for you Potter fans, you Potter heads, you Potheads. That Dobby <laughs> thing was definitely not part of the viral marketing campaign. <laughs> You really were like, oh, that's what they're doing, right? And, and I it- wasn't even talking about this mobile game, by the way. I was explicitly talking about the rumored RPG open world Harry Potter game. Yeah, that did not happen. No, I'm bitter. Y'all got Pokemon Go, Light. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Pokemon Go, but Harry Potter. I played it for an afternoon, and that's all I needed to play. <laughs> It's not my format. Well, what, wait, wait. Well, what was it? Why didn't why don't you like it? What's why is it not your format? Let's get some details. First of all, it requires movement. And I'm not saying that like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying like, oh, I'm so lazy. I'm saying like I don't I don't I spit my microphone, I'm just sure. <laughs> I don't walk around with a power cable and this game zaps so much of my battery oh, yeah, that I Pokemon, can't imagine yeah. <laughs> actually being out in the world and playing this game, not only because it's a very conspicuous game. Like, if I'm playing Blackjack on my phone, I can react to things around me. Mm-hmm. If I'm using AR and, like, holding my phone and using my other hand to, like, do a spell, that's a completely different level of commitment. And I just... I'm not a mobile gamer in that way, literally in the sense of moving. I'm not a mobile gamer. Um, That doesn't appeal to me. Wow. So I guess it's a good car game um, because when you go other places, you pass. um, In Pokemon Go, it was Pokemon literally to catch them. But in this game, the for some reason muggles, so non-magical people are about to find out about the wizarding world because certain things have gone missing and they're showing up in public places and you have to go capture them in order to prevent non-magical people from seeing it and like figuring out about magic users. So it's just dumb. It's not, it's not very <laughs> engaging. I love Harry Potter, but... Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to take a pass on Wizards Unite. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Sorry. That's wild. Wow. Sorry. I, I tried. That, that, that kind of stinks. Like, that, 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 to me, doesn't make me, like, want to get it. Pokemon Go was great because I got a lot of exercise uh, when that game came out, which I could probably use these days. I just can't imagine, even in Pokemon Go, being that motivated. Oh, I, man. I totally so understand fun. that it, it so for fun. a lot of people, it was a ton of fun. It got them out. It got them engaged. Meeting people. Sure. 
I just, <laughs> that doesn't appeal to me at all. At all. So when I say this type of mobile game, I mean like literally mobile. I love other mobile games. Uh, I'm I play mobile games every day, just not this, not this one. All right, we get it. Mobile, mobile. Okay, okay, okay. Tomato, okay. tomato. Okay, okay. Destiny Two, Eververse. Yeah, real quick. Um, they are completely changing their storefront, and this is like the the microtransaction storefront in such a way that I think it will be copied by other games. We will um have to see what ends up happening with it, but. Basically, they are removing all need for you to even feel like you have to pay for anything in the game and getting a path for you to earn absolutely everything uh, in a very uh, fair and, and balanced way in such a stunning announcement that I then went and purchased <laughs> some things in the game as like a reward to them. Um what? So I would encourage you to go look at that. We'll we'll link it in show notes. Um, the you, the announcement. You purchased things that you were you can earn later down the road. Yep, I did. I'm showing my support to Bungie, and then I also just want to mention really quick. Um, they have delayed some fixes, and they are specifically saying that it's because they don't want their employees to have to crunch. Yay! So, I'm just like kudos to Bungie all around. Recently, snaps for Bungie, go Bungie, fuck Activision, like, <laughs> you do you, and I cannot wait to see what's next. Aw, so excited. Yeah. That's cute. Summer Games done quick. The Olympics of speedrunning yeah. games uh, raised a fuck ton of money, because they're also a charity. Yes. Three million. Three million dollars for Doctors Without Borders. That's amazing. It was amazing, and if you're into speedrunning or are just curious about speedrunning, you should go check them out. Just Google Games Done Quick, and you'll find some YouTube videos or some Twitch streams. It's essentially using glitches and other things in the game code to allow you to skip large portions of the game or access end game items in the early game or what have you so that you can essentially speed run a game. We're talking games that would take hours and hours and hours being beaten in like five minutes. That sounds stressful. That's why I can never be a speed runner because I can't do things under pressure. And I would be like really mad if like I was Your like, flawless run went, went wrong at the end. Yeah, or like you're like trying to do something but like it's not working for whatever fucking reason. Nah, it just sounds stressful. God bless y'all. I like me running Shadow Throne tonight. Anti-way, uh, the complete opposite of speedrunning. Bernie Sanders has a Twitch stream. <laughs> I don't understand how it's the opposite of speedrunning. But yeah, um, they announced a few days ago that they were going to create a Twitch stream. Do we have and to they play did. back some of the video to show it's boring? It's literally just a video cast. I think Keisha would be mad if I called it a video podcast. Um, yeah, don't do that. It's just a talk show. It's not, they're not playing video games and talking about socialism. Which is fine. Like, I'm not, not everything on Twitch has to be video games. Sometimes it's filming people, you know, using the restroom at E3. <laughs> which he finally just apologized for. My nigga, that shit happened a month ago. He only apologized because he got unbanned. I bet it was contingent upon his 
apology. Oh my god. Children. Children. He's what? disgusting. Anyway, um you can google that if you're not sure what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm not going to repeat it. I'm done. We um we should move on. <laughs> we should. <laughs> Let's talk about these past two weeks in nerddom. Yes. Cuz we don't know anything about it. No. Uh, I'm actually embarrassed. We should be. We deserve to be embarrassed. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the listeners were upset. I agree. Y'all y'all are going to hate us for this. It's, no, we're just... Jessica Jones season three. We didn't watch it yet. Not a single minute. I'm like... Ugh, I, pardon. I want to watch it. But I'm also like holding on. It's the last. It's, it's, it's over after this. That's... We still have to watch Punish season two, which I heard wasn't that great. Yeah, I heard that wasn't that great, and that's not why I'm not interested. I am not in the mental place to watch a stressful crime drama about a mentally ill person. That that too is is not what I want right now in my life. All of my the media that I've been consuming has been extremely escapist. Yes, hundred uh, percent. House hunters. House Hunters International. A lot of HGTV. House Hunters Tiny Homes. <laughs> Tuca and Bertie, which I know is not home improvement, but you know, you gotta spice things up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. My Hero Academia, you know, the dubs for season four are fully in. I'm just been going, you know, I I can't deal with it. We were confronted about not finishing She-Ra. And by confronted, I mean asked about how we enjoyed it. And very nicely. <laughs> you really like painted Nicole to be like, and I heard y'all didn't like She-Ra. Like, what's good? Um, we should actually put that back in the rotation because it's still escapist. It is. But yeah, that's why I have we haven't watched Jessica Jones. I it's a mood, and it's not a mood that I have. <laughs> it is it is a vibe that I just like can't catch right now yeah um we also didn't catch detective pikachu and it's completely your fault it it is simultaneously my fault and also why did it only last in theaters for six weeks what was the movie that came right after the kids movie that came right it just that movie dropped and everything else just it completely pets too i think yeah did they were like detective who yeah, Detective Pikachu, this when we no... were like, okay, this is the weekend. We have time. We have energy. The theater's going to be empty. I can go get coffee. With Let's go Reese's. to Detective Pikachu. There was one showing in the middle of New Jersey, and that was the closest <laughs> one to Brooklyn. It was I, not showing. No, I was so disappointed. I'm still disappointed. It's completely your fault. I'm very sorry. So we'll have to wait till it comes out on HBO or something. But I'm sure that they will. They 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 come out faster and faster. Like Endgame is about to come out Whatever. at the end of this month. So I heard that footage, that extra re-release footage, was <laughs> trash. I mean, we might as well talk about it. Endgame is coming back in a bid to beat Avatar at the box office. It does not look like it's gonna work. Um, no. Also. Gone with the Wind is still far and away the <laughs> highest grossing movie if you adjust for inflation. Wow, that's impressive. I I was like, where are you going with this? And like now we see. the point is if you adjust for inflation, Avatar would win even if Endgame overtakes it now. And Gone with the Wind is probably forever going to be the most popular movie of all time in that metric. Good for them. Because I think every single person in the world paid to see it. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. 
But here, here's my thing, like, going with the word when, you know, it's this iconic movie, Endgame will probably be, be considered an iconic movie. The only thing that I remember about Avatar is that them they were blue, they fucked with their hair. <laughs> <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver was in it playing the same character that she did in Alien. <laughs> I... <laughs> That's it. What? How did that... How did it make all this money? How did it make so much money? Because it looked pretty? Really? I Legitimately, there was nothing. As far as I remember... It was Pocahontas with hair fucking. As far... <laughs> make it make sense. I'm as confused. far as I remember, there was <laughs> nothing else coming out that summer that rivaled it. Really? It was one of the first big 3D movies. Like, remember when that was like a fresh new thing? I just remember seeing that movie on DVD when my parents bought it. Because my parents were like, when it came out, we're like, we're going on date night. Your father is taking me to IMAX. It's going to be amazing. And then they came back. They didn't say anything. And then when we watched the DVD. They were like, wow. Y'all need to see this in theaters. We're sorry. Like, this <laughs> was not worth it. That's it. I do remember the visuals being amazing. But that's really all I had going for it. The fact that there was very little competition that year, as far as I remember. And I'm pretty sure, much like Titanic, it just kind of kept its popularity. It wasn't, like, ever the most popular thing, except for the first few weeks. But it was always number two for, like, months. Anyway. I don't know if I'm having a recollection of that that's correct or not, but there's nothing special about it, and I agree with you entirely. There was also a preview for Spider-Man in it, but we're seeing okay. Spider-Man. Yeah, like... <laughs> like, I'm going to see Spider-Man before I see the re-release footage. Jordan, I saw stills from the re-release footage, and I... <laughs> I don't even want to know what they are. It... Is it is because I don't care about this re-release. I was like, let me just see what this fucking footage is. I think I just saw like the controversy surrounding it. It whoosh <laughs> the ghetto. I don't even know. It's just oh, I it is bad. <laughs> I can't imagine what you're even saying. I don't think anything in the MCU at this point is bad. I don't know why I feel the need to defend. This Disney... Oh, my God. Propaganda. Jordan is so bad. (sighs) It's so bad. Anyway. (laughs) I hope Spider-Man isn't. Uh, No, I hear it's great. We'll be coming at you with a spoiler cast... Oh, my God. ...sometime this weekend. Because we are going to see it, like... We will have seen it by this time tomorrow. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Which, for you, is the past even further. Right. I'm editing this. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Finally, friend of the show, you know him on the show as Young Levain, renamed Lil Poolish. Um, He wrote about the ties between a miniseries of Black Panther comics and the Black Panther film. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really good. You should definitely check it out. We retweeted it, but we will also include it in the show notes. Given that we are horrible nerds in the past two weeks... I think you should just go ahead and drop some music.
Well, gamer friends, I am so excited to be uh, introducing our next guest to you. Um, as you know, we have been covering some controversial issues with CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk 2077. The dust has settled a little bit, and Absolutely. we're here to <laughs> have a conversation about what that dust up, you know, kind of ended up being and what it might entail. And we're going to cover a few other things as well with gamer friend, friend of the show, Carolyn Pettit. Uh, of Feminist Frequency. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me here. We're so happy to have you here. Very excited. Um, I think let's just dive right in. We on the show have talked in previous episodes about both of the transphobic incidents going on at CD Project Red and their their like platform social media person being a mess. Um, yeah. <laughs> not really setting the bar um, for what a company should be doing. And so I think on top of just the obvious concerns about what kind of came out at E3 with Cyberpunk, there's really a, a history and a, and a context there for people who have been paying attention that leads us to believe this is going to be a little more um, of a concern. There's, there's a little less willingness to... Um, to just kind of have faith in them, maybe, right? Like to, I think certainly, at least speaking for myself, um, I, I'm very, very wary. You know, I'm, I'm just mm -hmm. at a point right now of being very wary of, of what cyberpunk is going to end up, is going to end up being. And I would love nothing more than for my concerns to, to be proven kind of unnecessary, right? And for the final experience, the final game to be wonderful with regard to its its handling of trans people and depictions of trans people, you know, as, as well as in just about every other conceivable way. But I think, you know, I think we have reason to be concerned. Yeah. <laughs> people are not interested in giving them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. 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 We at Gamer Friends are really good at burying the lead. And so let's <laughs> actually bring this to the forefront because yeah. this happened after our E3 recap, or, or at least it was pointed out after. So Carolyn, why don't you walk us through exactly what even happened? So yeah, I'd say there's numerous points of contention and concern and conversation around cyberpunk 2077. But, you know, as a trans person, the one that particularly caught my uh, attention and um, I think, you know, the attention and uh, of a lot of, of trans folks, certainly on, on Twitter is that, um, there was a, a gameplay demo shown at uh, E3, and I think um, images from that demo were released. And in one of those images, we see an in-game world ad. And the ad is for a um, some sort of like soft drink or energy drink, some sort of beverage. And the you know I, the slogan says like "mix it up," I believe is the is the is the slogan. Yeah. And the 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 model is you know I would say. Um, female coded like we you know it, right. it, they they uh, they look like a person who identifies most likely identifies as f female but they are very uh they very prominently have a penis and i think polygon asked the artist who sort of designed this ad to kind of comment on the the thinking behind it right and uh i don't have her name and her exact comments in front of me right now but her comments were 
along the lines of that uh, she was saying, well, this is somebody who I personally find attractive, but this person is being exploited. And I'm trying to show how kind of tragic or unfortunate it is that this person, this model is being exploited within the world of the game. Right. And the big problem with that, it's all in how the game itself frames this for players, how it frames trans people in general in that world and frames the player character's experience with trans people in the world. Because if a transphobe comes you know, into that world to play Cyberpunk 2077, and let's be honest, a great many people who harbor transphobic attitudes and beliefs are going to be among the customers, the, the the sort of consumer base approaching this game. Absolutely. They bring their attitudes to this game. You know, they come to it with a, you know, an internal view of trans people as sort of uh, less than fully human or, you know, easily kind of just, just as objects or what have you. And if they see an ad like that, it's just going to reflect their own attitudes and beliefs right back at themselves. And in fact, it's only going to work to reinforce this is a world, this world of Cyberpunk 2077 is a world in which your beliefs are validated, right? right. The game has to do something very deliberate and careful, in, you know, in its narrative or its its world building or, you know, all of these things. If it is going to push back against that attitude and, and say to the player who comes to the game with transphobic attitudes like, no, sorry, you're wrong. Even if in Night City, in the world of this game or the time, the setting, even if trans people are exploited or objectified or, you know, what have you, the game's position is very clearly they, you know, the trans people are fully human beings and that it that they should not be treated this way. But we don't have any way of knowing yet if the game is going to do that. But the artist's comments didn't seem to indicate an understanding of the necessity of that kind of thoughtful, deliberate handling in terms of how trans people might be framed in the world of the game. Yeah. Right. I think you actually cover a lot of this in your Queer Tropes uh, YouTube series, which we'll happily link to in the show notes. Uh, in You use Grand Theft Auto as one of the examples yeah. where – you know, there are trans people on the street in Grand Theft Auto and uh. a defense that I've heard of, you know, the fact that you can go around and if you so choose target these people to, you know, beat them or kill them or run them over with your car, whatever you want to do, uh, that because you can do it to everyone, it's mm -hmm. the same. And I think you bring up an incredibly, you know, salient point that the game doesn't actually do anything to... Uh, amplify the humanity of those individuals in any kind of way, therefore right. allowing you to reinforce whatever stereotypes you come into the game with. And in fact, there are videos on YouTube of players like who deliberately are, are clearly taking pleasure in specifically like not only misgendering, but mm. beating and murdering, in some cases, those trans NPCs. What the game is doing is, is allowing them to sort of gleefully live out a kind of, you know, twisted fantasy of actually visiting violence upon trans people. And we know that trans people, I mean, particularly black trans women, are experiencing an epidemic of violence 
So for a game to offer players these kinds of options and to just kind of, you know, to throw up their hands and say, well, you know, you can do this to any NPC as if there's no sort of added ideological weight or consequence to allowing people to specifically play out a fantasy that they may have of visiting violence on people, specifically, for instance, because they are trans. It's just, it's morally, in my view, obviously, like completely irresponsible. And it's absurd to pretend that that it's the same, like that it, there isn't an added dimension there when you're talking about certain populations. Right. This actually reminds me of the video that came out um, when Red Dead 2 um, mm-hmm. was released where people were playing, you know, as the character and, you know, sh- taking videos of themselves um uh, like assaulting suffragists. Yeah, there's like an outspoken. There's like one particularly outspoken, uh, you know, suffragist character in Saint Denis. I, I I recall a lot of uh, you know people or a, a big hubbub over people um, posting videos around that. And and exactly like that is a wonderful illustration of how like look you know rock star you know <laughs> you can't yeah. like we know you want to just make these worlds a playground and set people free to do what they want. But like, if you give players the freedom to specifically visit violence on, say, a woman who dares to assert that women should have equal rights, you know, God forbid. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're not naive. Like, I, like right. they, I think, know what they're doing. And they know that that part of their base loves it. And they know that it helps sell copies of the game. And, you know, they may sort of shrug their shoulders or, I mean, I think Rockstar tends to remain pretty tight lipped about, they don't really generally speak on controversies in general, as far as I'm aware, but like, but like they can sort of uh, float that kind of, um, that veneer of like, hey, you know, it's this, but it's the same. You can do that with everyone. But they know that there's that allure there for a big chunk of their player base that, you know, is is going to be drawn to specifically visiting violence on, you know, again, an outspoken feminist or mm. a trans person or, you know, what have you. Yeah, I think that's what I find so frustrating about when this happens all the time. It's like, come on. Like, we know. We know. You know. Yeah. Like, like, why? like, let's at least be honest about it. Like, we, you know, we, you know what you're doing. Like, don't try to pretend that you're, that you're, that you don't know what you're, what you're doing when you do this. I think the um, last time that we had honesty like that was when Steam took down um, the sexual assault simulation game mm. um, and yeah, was yeah. basically like, yeah, this would have been bad for business if we kept it up. And so we're, we're getting rid of it. Only yeah, they, they literally were like, it's bad for business, not it's morally right. reprehensible. It's like, oh, right. sorry, like we can't, but, we're going to lose know, money on this. I mean, yeah, I mean, <sighs> that's capitalism. <laughs> All right, <laughs> for you. <laughs> it, yeah, um, it really does. So in the aftermath of this, you know, article that came out and the and the quasi defense, which we'll also link in the show notes, mm. um, they announced uh, in in a way that leads me to believe that they were already working on it, but maybe weren't intending to tell us at this moment, and they felt like it would kind of dig them out of the hole. Um, mm-hmm. You will be able to create uh, gender nonconforming. They didn't specifically say trans, I don't think. Um, but, you know, 
gender non-conforming yeah. characters in and, the game. And that is encouraging, certainly. But, um, and again, uh, you know, I'm speaking, we're months ahead of the game's release. Like, I don't know what, what impact that is going to have on the final game. Everything is speculation at this point. But, right. um, like, what I don't want, it doesn't really mean much to me in, um, in terms of, like, a quote-unquote win. You know, it doesn't really feel like much of a win if the game, you know, sort of, if it's all down to choice of in character creation and a character or excuse me, a player who doesn't really want to want to engage with issues around like gender identity or, you know, trans experience, trans identity, if they can just sort of opt out, you know, by just mm. like, I'm going to create a cis character and therefore like, I don't have to deal with this because I want the game. Ideally what the game would do if it's going to have, this kind of imagery in it and you know these kinds of the the models in the in the ads and and everything it has to then confront like every player who comes to, to that game and to that world with the the fundamental humanity of trans people like it can't just right. be like oh you you're on board for this you chose you know to identify your player character as a gender non-conforming or potentially a trans character, like, okay, we'll give you this content, but we don't want to ruffle the feathers of those who maybe don't care or aren't, you know, who, who are opposed to that. Like, no, I want you to make those people uncomfortable. I, you know, I want you to, to, to challenge the, the, the trans folks who come to your game. I don't want them to be able to like opt out somehow of like an experience that is going to force them to kind of, look at themselves and their own attitudes uh, when it comes to to, tra to trans folks. Yeah, it actually, I feel like I'm playing the game of, this reminds me of, this reminds me of. Uh, but it was uh, that South Park game where, like, if you chose to have your character right. be black, it was harder for you. But, like, nobody, you had to, like, figure that out. Like, people had to figure that out themselves. It wasn't, like, explicitly, like, hey, if you're black, this game is going to be harder. It just was in the game. Yeah. And like, that's sure, that's commentary, but people played that yeah. game and didn't know. And like, it completely, like you just said, opted out of that experience. So it's like. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you know, and, and this is a larger issue. So, you know, we, Feminist Frequency just uh, in June, we released our sort of every year we do a kind of statistical breakdown of games kind of showcased or revealed at E3 and um, and a great many games are more games. I think year after year, more and more games are allowing players to kind of choose, you know, create your own character or choose to play as, you know, a man or woman, especially in these kind of games of service, the destinies and the d the divisions. And mm -hmm. so more and more games that just like, you know, your character is kind of a blank slate, but they can be, you know, you can customize how they look. But if you look at just the games that, um, that are, are centered on like specifically male heroes versus the games that are centered on specifically female heroes, you know, you still have far more games that, that have defined like male heroes than you do games that have defined female heroes. And a lot of our detractors and uh, stuff will say things like, but you know, you should be happy that, you know, if, <laughs> if, if yeah. more games offer you a choice, then what difference does it make? And, you know, the difference is that what we want, you know, really ultimately are more games that do, again, require players to empathize with and to project themselves onto 
say, a, you know, female characters, if we're talking about gender representation, right? Like, right. yeah, it's great that Division 2 lets you choose uh, to play as a male character or a female character, but, like, again, first of all, those characters are pretty much blank slates that just, you know, you level up and you get better gear, but they're not, like, fully developed characters. Right. But, but beyond that, it's, like, it, it's fundamentally different if, say, a male player who is maybe who has issues uh, empathizing with women or seeing women as full human beings, right? Like, I want that player to more often be required to to play as a female character because I want his attitudes to be challenged by that, by that experience. Right. right. I think that it only actually uh, imparts the experience if it's a, a forced... Uh, a forced, yeah. you know, gameplay narrative. Right. Right, I agree. Like, if a, per- if a person can just choose to stay, if it's a kind of, oh, I'm I'm more comfortable in just the male character bubble, so I'm just going to choose that, um, then it doesn't really move the needle. You know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really work to kind of change the larger culture too much. Um, which, you know, again, is not to say, like, that those options aren't very welcome. Like, like I do right. welcome them. I think it's great. I mean, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it really seemed in in my just cursory, you know, experience of like having folks on Twitter who were playing that game and stuff, like it really seemed like say a lot more people skewed towards playing as um as, you know, the 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 female option. Cassandra. You know, Cassandra, thank you. I was blanking on her name. And it's like <laughs> and it's great. Like that's great. But like ultimately, we we do still want at least uh, as long as as long as like twenty percent of games come with a you know a, a just a male hero that's the, that's the set male character that you're going to play as, and a mere like six percent feature a defined female character. It's like well, there's something off balance there. Like there's still some kind of fundamental attitude about about heroes being kind of male by default, or this mm. idea of more players being willing to project themselves onto a male character and maybe not so willing to project themselves onto a female character. Yeah. To bring this into the realm of, uh, you know, queer identity, but also to keep it in Assassin's Creed, there was a controversy. I'll admittedly say I don't know what the solution to this is yet because I haven't played the DLC yet. Um, (laughs) Right. But mild spoilers, they force you um, to be bisexual if you were canonically queer in the gameplay that you did uh, because part of the storyline involves a child. And so they essentially force you to parent a child but apparently they have like retconned that in some way to allow people to not have to do that. I don't know what the solution looks like because again, I haven't played it yet. Um, but I, you know, it it reminded me of again this idea of you know, <laughs> you are ultimately playing a narrative that the game developers are setting forth. And even if they're not saying that there's a, spe- a specific or preferred character uh, in an open way, there are a lot of subtle ways that reinforce that. Namely, in Cyberpunk's case, to bring it full circle, the fact that all of the materials and the uh, toys and things like that are the white male version Dude. of the character. Uh. It's and it's so it's just so disappointing. Like, like I mean, the the first uh, you know last year's kind of first big gameplay reveal. Like, here's thirty minutes or forty minutes of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. 
they actually did in that instance like lead with a female version of V, which I right. which I found encur- encouraging. Mm-hmm. And so it's disheartening now that you know it does seem like female V, for lack of a better term for right now, um, is kind of being relegated to the femship status yes. of being like yeah. the. You know, uh, not the what, not the box art cover, not the like marketing material version, but this like alternate option. But the the white like white guy with a gun, you know, on the box <laughs> cover is still like the standard, and it's just the the most like generic, like boring choice they could have made. And I cannot help but when I see box art like that, I cannot help but feel like it is a window into the. Um, into the fears and the concerns of the mm. kind of the marketing executives and the higher ups who are like, yes, it's great that with this game has all these options, but like we have to, we have to like reassure the quote unquote core gamer that like <laughs> we are still like beholden to them, that they are still like number one, like, oh, we don't want them railing on Twitter about SJW beat, you know, nonsense or whatever if we god forbid we we lead with like a a black female version of v or something as the as the like as the the main kind of image of the game's protagonist and you know it's 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 like this kind of cynical attitude where i think they probably perceive the situation and and to some degree rightly so but that doesn't mean that it's right for them to behave in a in a way that perpetuates this as like um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, women, queer folks, trans folks, people of color, like we're so used to whatever scraps of representation we can get that is like, oh, I can just, I can create a character that, you know, um, that's different, like uh, great. That'll be like enough for us. But the people you really don't want to piss off, the people you really want to make sure still know that they are like your number one concern are, you know, the, the, like the straight white dudes. Wait, when did we start talking about the Democratic Party's relationship to wealthy ah. people? <laughs> oh, 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 no. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There it is. Oh. Um, um. I do want to bring up one other controversy about the cyberpunk demo that kind of got, I don't want to say overshadowed because they're both kind of shit sandwiches. Oh, yeah, I know which one. <laughs> um, but the idea that the NPCs that you were fighting in this demo all happen to be black or people of color with darker skin. Yes. And apparently one of the faction's names is the animals. The animal, right. And right. I, I can't help but think that what they were really trying to do was showcase diversity, and and it just backfired. <laughs> and you, you know, and it's <sighs> this it's this frustrating situation. So at feminist frequency, you know, we have at times been critical of Bayonetta as a character, and this will this will make sense in a moment why I'm why I'm bringing up Bayonetta. Like, and I like I love the Bayonetta games, but. There are times where, you know, in our view, the games have kind of, um, you know, really objectified Bayonetta and a very common defense or from people who just want to dismiss that that criticism out of hand is, oh, but, you know, Bayonetta, the character was designed by a woman as if therefore it Bayonetta cannot in any way perpetuate sexism or misogyny. And like, interestingly, I've seen tweets about um, 
cyberpunk where people are like, you know, well, Mike Pondsmith, the creator of the tabletop game, (laughs) is a black man. And like he had the animals as like, you know, as a as a group, um, a gang or something in his like original tabletop game as if like therefore there's that kind of nullifies any potential for this to um to evoke you know harmful racial stereotypes and it's just an absurd argument right they they love to um belittle the idea of identity politics until it is remotely advantageous for them to bring it up. And then all of a sudden it becomes an unimpeachable line of defense. It's, it's totally absurd. And I think it speaks to the fact that they're, you know, really morally and intellectually bankrupt. And it ultimately comes down to they're, they're feeling threatened. They feel like they have, a place of dominance that they either deserve or it's their birthright or whatever, and that by women, by people of color, by gender nonconforming people demanding a piece of the pie, that somehow they're losing something. And and yes, it's the same. We see the same thing politically. We see the same thing, you know, in so many different areas of, you know, media and the world. Uh, And I think that the reason why in video games it is becoming such a a bigger cultural battle is because unlike Hollywood and unlike um, other media conglomerates like music and and, uh, TV and things like that, I don't necessarily think that the establishment is on our side. (laughs) <laughs> right. I, I think like I think their sympathies are not necessarily like, oh, we really want to do this, but the marketing people just won't let us because we think we might lose money. I think a lot of them genuinely are like, I feel a lot of pressure to do this because society is changing, thankfully, you know, but there it's not coming from a genuine place in my, you know, perspective. I, I agree completely. It is always like, there becomes a point when under capitalism, like an idea reaches a certain level of mass, like acceptance or whatever, that then, you know, um, oh, we can like uh, embrace this now. And we can even like brand around like, oh, it's Pride Month. We Let's put out our rainbow, you know, logo and this and that. But but it's it's still it's driven by what's going to be advantageous to how we're perceived, what's going to be advantageous right. to bringing us more money as opposed to any kind of actual, like, you know, it's time we really have to be on the right side of history here and take a stand for, for, you know, for change. Like that's just not generally speaking, um, what's, you know, what's motivating, um, any of this. Right. Right. It's rainbow capitalism. You know, we're we're wrapping (laughs) up Pride Month. It's the same concept. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Actually, I think I, that, is a wonderful transition to the other, the next topic that we wanted to get into, uh, Watch Dogs Legion. Yeah. You know, I, uh, in the E3 wrap-up, I was like, you know, they're selling us the revolution, and, I'm, <laughs> it, and which is, like, not surprising because they've been selling us the revolution since, you know, 2015, like 2015, 2016. Uh, but, the you know, I'm like, damn, the game looks great. I am, yeah, I'm very conflicted about it, though. Well, I mean, so here's my <laughs> my take, you know, on it for starters is, you know, Ubisoft are the masters of 
using like politically charged, you know, concepts or imagery or settings yes. or, or what have you, but in ways that that like like they bend over backwards to calibrate them in such a way as to like try to defang them of any <laughs> real political right. uh, edge. And um, so like, let's talk um, like, for instance, you know, Watch Dogs 2, a game like uh, at least I thought there was a lot to like about that game. Marcus Holloway is great in a lot of ways. And there's even some really good moments where he and, and other characters talk about like the experience of, say, you know, being being black at a tech company in Silicon Valley. But right. but when you look at the larger the larger framing of stuff in that game. So you have, I mean, obviously like the cops, you know, in that game are <laughs> often like hostile to yeah. you. However, the game, you know, despite the fact that you are playing as this like young black man, the game is never infers in the slightest that like uh, racial injustice is just kind of baked into the, to policing in the United States. It's more like mm-hmm. the way it plays out is, is like if there is um, something malicious in the game, it is specifically this like surveillance uh, system. But even right. that is, even that, is really all traced back to like one guy, like the guy who runs the like evil, sinister, not Google tech company. It's like they deliberately like, you know, you have like a, a young black man, you know, I, I, in, in in the Bay Area in like the 21st century. And like the, that's just what Ubisoft does. Like they they want they create they take all this stuff that that feels relevant and and like it might say something about something but they <laughs> they do everything they can to not say anything with it and yeah. just like waiting to see how how they calibrate you know watchdogs legion in such a way that it is like you know it has all these elements you know ripped from the headlines but <laughs> but it but it actually still somehow really basically fundamentally doesn't say anything you know, it doesn't take a stand on anything or it doesn't really say anything meaningful about the world that we're living in right now. <sighs> I am an admitted Ubisoft stand at this point. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> I have loved all of their recent releases. Um, I loved Watch Dogs 2. I really, I liked Watch Dogs enough that I was excited for Watch Dogs 2. I was disappointed by it, but it wasn't mm. for me like, you know, top 10 anime betrayals or anything like that. Um, <laughs> so Watch Dogs 2 came out, and just like you said, I feel like it wasted the setup. They did, I think, talk about gentrification in a broad sense in that game. Like, oh, we're getting displaced. Like, we're really feeling the pinch. But it was more of a collective we, which I guess I can't actually complain about because because uh, maybe you could argue that they were building some kind of class solidarity, but they they really were absent of any racial lens in that game. And you're right, it was more about one person commanding the CTOS surveillance system in a negative way than it was about the system itself fundamentally. Um, And so when I think about the marketing for The Division 2, which I super loved, I I like want to put it game of the year, I'm obsessed with it, Um, I was kind of expecting some kind of, uh, not Trumpian, but um, allusion or allegory to what could happen if 
uh, right-wing fascism continues to gain popularity, especially with people who seem to be willing to employ literal real-life violence to make a point. Uh, you know, we're just a few days removed from this whole Portland attack, and it has everyone on both sides kind of <laughs> screaming at each other about, uh, you know, what really is a nuanced thing. And Ubisoft, again, uh, not only didn't deliver in making any kind of statement, but actively came out and said, no, 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 this game is apolitical. A game in the seat of Western power in a post-apocalyptic scenario (laughs) where a group of undercover, like, sleeper agents have been given the right to abandon the Constitution in all due process. Like, that's an (laughs) apolitical game that you're making. Just plot devices there. It's, (laughs) It's completely absurd on its face, but... Even then, I felt more like they were teasing the idea of like, oh, it's the revolution. In this, they're literally marketing the revolution. They use the words resistance and revolution Uh in the E3 presentation. So for them to kind of backtrack come early next year and say, no, 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 we're not actually taking a stand. I I think (laughs) that is going to be much harder this time. I mean, I, 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 that sounds reasonable, and and gosh, I hope you're right because it is high time. <laughs> it is high time that 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 <sighs> you know that companies stop trying to you know to pull that trick on us. Like, oh, this is you know this this is apolitical this game, but also like you know journalists or gaming sites and stuff have to kind of stop letting them get away with it. Like, right. it's just. It just especially, and I mean, I don't know. It's like the horrifying, you know, news of of the moment just in terms of just so many horrible things that are that are happening. I mean, kind of I I, I think it it illuminates how much like we can't allow the sort of normalization of the status quo anymore. Mm-hmm, right. Like we we absolutely can't. And even in something that may some may see as as sort of frivolous or inconsequential as video games because actually if you if you trace the online politics of the past 5 years or so it's pretty clear that the culture around video games is not some entirely separate uh inconsequential thing relative to um you know the rise of Trump and mm-hmm. everything else but um yeah it, it's just it it just rings hollower and hollower every year and it's um yeah like I I I hope that Ubisoft you know even if it is that kind of cynical um um capitalist motivation of them just like maybe it reaches that point where it's like okay now it is more advantageous for us to like actually say fascism is bad and yeah. uh, like even you know your game makes meaning whether you want it to or not mm-hmm. if you aren't deliberate about the kind of meaning that it that it is creating and this is relevant also to, again to our earlier discussion of cyberpunk if you aren't deliberate about the kind of meaning that it's creating it's going to create the worst kind of meaning it's going to perpetuate <laughs> yes, yes. the things that you us that that you know you ostensibly probably want it to be quote unquote commenting on critically. So, you know, make sure that it actually is commenting on those things critically. Yeah. Like, 
I remember that having this conversation a lot because I, I do like art and music. Um, and I remember this conversation of like what role does the artist play in like not not uh, I guess maybe yeah in like creating meaning and like deliberately or not showing what that meaning is. Like it just reminds me of like that that, that season of um Orange is the New Black where like every bad thing that happened to a a per- like black people in real life happened to the black characters in the show and they just kind of like did it and then we're like okay that we're just gonna walk away and it's like it's just they didn't have any interest in taking ownership yeah over the conversation that they started with what happened yes yeah exactly and then the yep. conversation yep. ended up becoming really irresponsible <laughs> right and doing more harm than good and it didn't seem like the actors were prepared to have that conversation. It didn't seem like the, the show creator or the writers were prepared mm-hmm. to have that conversation. And I recall, actually, wasn't uh, Pousset's actress in a relationship with one of the writers? Yes, Mira Wiley was uh, one of the writers. I can't remember. I can't remember her name. I remember that being like used as a lot of the shielding for why it was okay. Mm. And I agree to your ultimate point. It's the same kind of, like, ambivalence to what you're putting out there. Yeah. And I do think that um, with music, with art, with video games, you do have some kind of responsibility. Yeah. And especially if you're going to touch third rail type uh, <laughs> of, of, of discussions. If you're going to invoke a conversation about fascism— you need to be prepared to have a conversation about fascism. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> I think I'm going to It really th- comes down to that. It really, that that's, <laughs> it's like, yes, are we talking absolutely. about fascism or not? Like, what is good? Right. I think I'm going to enjoy Legion um, no matter what, just because I enjoy the formula of Ubisoft games. Uh, but... I'm I'm wondering how deeply disappointed I'm going to be uh, in in what the storyline and the politics of it are because there's there's so much they could do with the idea of taking any NPC and incorporating them into your game. Mm. Um, oh, absolutely! But how deep are they really going to go? When they when they first showed the demo at E3. I was like, wait a second, like any NPC? Like, what does that really <laughs> right. what does that really mean? And like I looked at this story in USA Today just before our conversation. And um, so Joel Burgess, who is world director at Ubisoft Toronto, mm-hmm. says um in this story, it's safe to say we have millions of unique characters <laughs> with different voices, accents, backstories, scripts, animation sets, and so on. And so like at that point, I realized, okay, so this is like some procedurally generate. Like there is no obviously, <laughs> like the Game Freak can't even import, you know, every Pokemon into like the new. Like <laughs> there's no way there's like millions of like handcrafted uh, characters in this game. Yeah. So, um, but still, uh, you know, so that's like. I'm guessing, like, I have to... I'm trying to gauge my expectations accordingly for that. Like, okay, I'll recruit this character, and I'll notice that, okay, they have, like, these procedurally generated traits that functionally are the same as this other characters that I had, or what have you. And that's fine. Like, that, like in theory, that's fine. I mean, it, it, what's, what really matters is how it functions within 
the world and the systems of you know, yeah, of the game yeah. itself. They use this system like that in Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood, um, where you did have like an infinite right. number of potential recruits and things like that. I'm sure that the the process by which you recruit will be deeper and there will be, you know, s- some added level of depth to that, you know, main system. But even, you know, thinking of uh, Odyssey, it sounds like you might not have played it, but there's... Um, uh, people were comparing it to a game that I didn't play, the Shadows of Mordor um, orc system, uh, if you yeah, played that. Sure. So apparently did, yeah. they just adapted that in some way into Odyssey, and so there's these mercenaries that are ever-evolving, um, and they must be procedurally huh. generated because you can, you know, because you're a mercenary in the game, yeah. you can work your way to the top of that system, and you're constantly getting challenged by the number twos and threes and et cetera. And as you kill them, they keep coming. It's not like they stop being there. Um, so I bet it's some kind of evolution of that just permanently in the world. Like Again, we'll see what yeah. this actually looks like um, soon, yeah. I'm sure. Yes. I, and I, I'm, I'm super looking forward to the game. Like, uh, you know, I, I would love nothing more than for it to, to be a lot of fun. I, I mean, I suspect it will be a, a really enjoyable enjoyable game. But yes, I think we all justifiably, you know, are a little, you know, w- yeah. w- cautious about how how well the, you know, the politics of it might land and, and all of that stuff. I think un- unless uh, there's like some really bad crunch stories coming out about it, you know, Legion is is pretty much a lock for me in terms of buying. But I, I still am on the, yeah. the fence about Cyberpunk and, and just to close the loop on those two conversations, I'd love to know, like, where are you right now in thinking about purchasing the game and and playing it and and supporting what could potentially be just really fucked up? Well, my, yeah, I'm sold on Cyberpunk because even if, like, even if it ends up being, like, let's say it's like a worst case scenario and it is just like morally reprehensible when it comes to it's handling of trans people or, you know, black people or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, I feel like the conversation around it has already been such that I, as a, it's like a writer and a critic and somebody who cares about games. Like I kind of need to see it through and I need to, Mm. I need to have my experience with that game so that I can continue to kind of, you know, formulate my own, thoughts and feelings and uh, about it based on what the game actually is and what my experience of it actually is. And, and I'm personally not, at least not yet as deeply invested in, in like the conversation around Watch Dogs Legion. So that one is more like, like I'm more interested just in like when it does come out and the reviews that come out and stuff like, is it considered to actually be just like, like a lot of fun to play and if it is, then then I'll be on board and and then I will obviously be really interested to consider its handling of of the kinds of issues we've been talking about today. But um, it's like cyberpunk. It's like, oh, well, you know, these conversations about trans people, you know, I, I kind of I, I my hands are tied. I'm like, I'm already committed. Like, I have to see what the game itself actually ends up being. And and the only way for me to really do that is to, you know, is to play is to play it myself. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> I just I'm in the same thing. I'm like because I was kind of like feeling similarly with um, Red Dead, and I was like, is this gonna be a day one purchase? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Red Dead because of the crunch. Yeah, because of the crunch. 
I ended up not playing it because of that, actually. Yeah. And I did. I ended up buying it. I don't think it was day one, but I did end up buying it and playing it. So, <laughs> you know, uh, video games are... They just make it so hard <laughs> it's for interesting. us. It's <laughs> interesting. It's interesting how how when you care about them the way that we do and on in, in the in the multifaceted ways that we do and our concerns about them are so like, will I, you know, I want to have fun with them as a player, you know, and but I, you know, I, I'm concerned about all these other things. It's it's like there's that weird mix of like, you know, maybe hype, anticipation, excitement, and also like oblig like a feeling of obligation. You know, mm. like, like, oh, I kind of, I feel like on some level, like I kind of have to like know what I think of this or, or, I mean, not like, it's not every game that comes down the pipeline is that way for me, but, but there's, you know, cyberpunk is, is a, is kind of an example of one of those fairly rare games that it's like, you know, I'm like, I've all been a fan of cyberpunk as a genre, um, you know, for mm-hmm. most of my life, loved, you know, a lot of cyberpunk literature, cyberpunk, you know, games and, and films and stuff. And, and. You know, so I'm I'm genuinely excited. Like I, I am. I'm genuinely excited about it as a game. There's also like that awareness of, but I can't just jump into it and have fun with it. Even if I wanted to do that, these issues of like trans identity and things are going to be, uh, you know, provided that that they don't just kind of get scared and and scrub all those ads and all the concerns from the yeah. from the finished game or something. It's like, uh, you know, I, I'll. I'll be quite literally, you know, the game will be staring me in the face with those issues as I'm experiencing it. I can't just turn that part of my identity or my experience off. Right. Um, you know, it's 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 real easy for for an, uh, for certain like straight white men to maybe have this attitude of like, why can't you just turn your brain off? But it's like, well, you see yourself reflected in media all the time and you don't have the experience of media routinely either like marginalizing you or dehumanizing you or what have you. Like, it's completely different when that's not, you know, that's not your relationship to media uh, by and large. And so um, you can't we can't just like completely forget about our lived experiences and in the world when we when we step into the world of the game. It reminds me of when you have, you know, upsetting or ridiculous conversations in person. And what ends up happening is that for the rest of the day or maybe even, you know, week, (laughs) you're thinking about that interaction and obsessing over it. And the other person, for them, it was just Tuesday afternoon for five minutes and they forget about it by the time they turn the block. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very good analogy. Uh, um, Well... Before we wrap up, you know, is there anything else that you found super interesting either from E3 or just around the E3 news cycle, uh, other things in general that are going on that that you want to discuss? I I just, I'll tell, you know, um, listeners that, um, you know, uh, I did mention our E3 statistical breakdown, which uh, this year was posted on wired.com. I do encourage folks to kind of you know, give that a look if they're interested in in just kind of a numerical, like at a glance of where, like an E3 is not the be all end all of video games by any stretch, but it is mm-hmm. it is where the kind of, with maybe certain ex- exceptions, like obviously Sony sat this year out and, and E3, E3's relevance year over year is in decline, I would say, but yeah, it is still, it least. is still, for the moment, it remains like, like the industry's, most clear kind of projection mm. of of how it sees itself in terms of what what it thinks like 
gaming consumers are going to be most interested in, most excited about, you know, how they're going to keep um, people, you know, invested in their brand, be it, be it, you know, Microsoft, Xbox or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And so in that sense, it's, it's, it's revealing, I think, to look at the data and see like, okay, you know, when the video game industry or like the biggest, the biggest hitters and the biggest movers and shakers in the video game industry have the attention of more gamers than maybe they have at any other time of, um, of the year, like how do they present themselves? What do they say? What do they show as like, here's what we have to offer you. Here are the experiences that define like what, what makes, you know, Ubisoft, Ubisoft, or what makes Xbox, Xbox, or uh, what have you. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, the numbers are not good. They're not good. They're not good. They're yeah. not good at all. Yeah. Not we good. will link them in the show notes. Um, and you should see for yourself because uh, not only do we want to generate clicks, but also uh, really they should do the talking. Uh, it is very clear and very stark um, what direction we're headed in. Well, all right. That was that was a wonderful conversation. Are there any projects that you're currently working on right now or any new pieces uh, coming I out soon? I can't really, I mean, I do have a thing or two in the works that I'm not, like, ready to talk about yet, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> I wish I could, um, but please, you know, if, if you're interested in my work, you know, go, you can follow me on Twitter at Carol and Michelle, and obviously, um, whenever I am able to announce um, cool things that I may have uh, in the works or newly available, um, I will definitely be announcing all that stuff there. Well, sounds good to me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic recap of the shenanigans going on. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate your perspective and your time. Yes. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This, this really was a, a great conversation. Well, that was a motherfucking show. That was a motherfucking show. Thank you so much again to Carolyn for joining us. Uh, cannot wait to have you back sometime in the future for updates on these games and more. And if you enjoyed this conversation, I would encourage you to tell a gamer friend. Tell two gamer friends. Tell as many gamer friends as you wish about the show. Go back into our archives. We've got some other great conversations, just like this one on other topics that may be of interest to you. Maybe. Also, we're pretty cool, we think. I, well, I'm cool. I don't know about Nick. The fact that I said this is uncool. Yes. We're promoting the show on the show. No, people do that all the time. That's, you gotta check the back catalog. You never, there could be new listeners. Fair enough, fair enough. Plenty of wonderful conversations just like this. And that's what Game of Friends is all about. So, you know, to like... Go back and listen. Oh my God. Okay. So, great review and subscribe. is coming this weekend. <laughs> and we will catch you with another full episode in two weeks. Woo! Two weeks. Deuces. Bye, y'all.